We began today a series looking at the book of Galatians. And the reason we're doing that is because during this next several weeks as we talk about financial freedom on Sunday nights and Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and Thursday nights and whenever everybody meets, uh, we're going to be looking at the other side and some other aspects of freedom as well. And there's no book in the Bible that's better to look at than the book of Galatians. It's often been called the epistle of freedom. Uh, it's, it's really dealing with how we can be free in Christ. And so today, basically, what I want to do, and this is kind of probably a strange, strange uh, point, but I just want to say it anyway. The point of today and every the, the next following eight weeks is to convince you to not be religious. Yeah, it's right. I want to convince you to not be religious. You're going like, I thought we are going to church. We're supposed to be religious. No, 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 no. You missed the point. Religion, as we define religion in a few moments, I want you to see it not as a dirty word, but as something that's not your goal, okay, to be religious. Uh, the word, You know that the root word for religion, if you look back to etymology of the word and you go back into the history of it, uh, Laguerre, one of the root words of religion actually means to tie or to bind. It means bondage. Do you know that? Isn't that a great term? You, you want to be bound up, right? No, we don't want to be that way. Matter of fact, as we look at Jesus Christ in Scripture, he was always rejecting or rejected by the religious types. You notice that? If you study Scripture, he was constantly in conflict with people who were religious types. And so we see that as, as, as a real problem. Now, let me give you a definition of religion today, that, and it will help you to understand why I want you not to be religious. Religion is this, and if you have your outline in the, in the Bible, in your, in your bulletin, in your bulletin, not in the Bible, the outline in the bulletin, you turn to Galatians 1 in the Bible, but the outline in the Bible, there's some blanks, places to fill in some blanks. This is the first definition. Religion is man's attempt to please God by adhering to rules and regulations. Man's attempt to please God by adhering to rules and regulations. It's In a sense, it's our way of trying to work our way to God. And uh, Paul wrote the book of Galatians in a real sense, to correct some false teachings in regard to this whole concept of working our way to God about rules and regulations. Now, this morning, as we enter the study of the book of Galatians, I want to give you some background on Paul. Uh, and we'll do this every week, but this week only, to give you some ideas about why he wrote the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians, uh, Galatian church, and why he uh, and, and what was his intent. Paul was originally known as a guy named Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus, his uh, his uh, resume would be that he was known as a Jew who followed the le- letter of the law to the nth degree. I mean, this guy knew everything there was about the Jewish law, all the laws that were there, and he followed it to the nth degree. He was known as as a as one of the leaders in the early Jewish church who, who hated Christians so much so that what he wanted to do was he wanted to stamp out Christianity because he saw it as a as something that was threatening Judaism. And so he was an authority, and he was in such an authoritative position that we even see in Scripture that one time he was the one that authorized the stoning of a, of a young man named Stephen. He was there and he said, hey guys, uh, yeah, go ahead and kill him under my authority. And he did so. And so he had that kind of hatred toward Christians. Until one day. He had an encounter with Jesus, with the living Savior, on, the, on a road as he was going to a place called Damascus. And on that way there, he, his purpose of going there was once again to persecute Christians. And as he was on this road to Damascus, Jesus Christ appeared to him. 
And as he appeared to him in this vision, it says in, in, in Acts chapter 9, as he appeared to him in this vision, um, it changed everything about Paul's life from that point on. A guy on the way to persecute Christians became a person who became one of the greatest preachers of Christianity and one of the greatest church planters for Christian churches of all time. It was a huge shift in his life. And so when he was authorized and when he became, uh, had this encounter with Jesus Christ uh, in this vision, it says in Acts chapter 9, Jesus actually authorized him to be an apostle. And this was kind of different because all the other people who were called apostles were people who had walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. They were the, like the 12 and who had walked along with Jesus. And so here was this one guy who didn't walk with him during that time but had this direct encounter with Jesus. And Jesus authorizes him. He says, you're going to be an apostle. And that means you're going to be a, se- a separated one, a sent out one, a called out one. And your purpose is to go about because you're already going about doing chaos everywhere. What I want you to do now is I want you to start new churches. And as you go around, as you go to communities and places and regions and start new churches, what his deal was is that Paul, he would begin and go and he teach, teach the truth of the gospel. He learned that. He, he listened and he learned that. And then what he did is he teach it. And then he would raise up people in that community who would be uh, leaders in the early churches. And so he went about planting churches everywhere, raising up leaders. And then he kind of like had birthed a lot of these places as well. One of the regions, one of the places that he birthed new churches, and actually multiple churches, was a region called Galatia. And Galatia uh, was, a, a pe- was a group of people who was one of his early church plants. Now, in doing so, Paul had a great love and a great connection with this. He wasn't a control freak by any means, but he had a, had a great connection with these folks. And when he heard something going on in those churches that he had planted that was not right, he addressed it. And so he writes the letter to the Galatian churches, a group of churches, to correct something that was happening in that church. And I want to tell you, I'm glad he did, because, man, he, in sharing this, and over the next eight weeks as we look at this book of Galatians, going all the way through it, what we'll be doing is we'll be talking about some, some things that I truthfully think that will revolutionize our lives. Because Paul really tells, tells us how to learn to be free in Christ and how to experience freedom in Christ and not bondage. The reason he wrote the letter is because it was this group of people uh, called Judaizers. And Judaizers were people who were Jewish in background, who'd become Christians, they said. And the thing was, is they said, yeah, you can be a Christian. And they came into the Galatian church and started teaching this. You can be a Christian, but you still got to be Jewish as well. You got to do all the things that Jewish people do. Even if you're not a Jew, you have to do all the things that Jewish people do to be Jewish, along with being Christian, they kind of tried to synthesize and merge the two things. And Paul said, no. And so he writes this letter to the, uh, to the Galatian church. This is what he starts off with in the first. He always starts in all his letters with a, with a, a greeting. And he says this, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself... For our sins to rescue us from the present, this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so that sounds great. Great blessing, right? Great greeting. You love to read that part of the letter. And that's how I usually always, always started the letters. But if you read every other letter that Paul wrote, then he would usually use encouraging words to follow that. Not so with the Galatian church. Because in verse, 
Uh, six and seven, this is what he says. He, you know, he tells us real nice, hey guys, I'm glad you're, uh, I just want to say, say hi to you guys and, you know, and all this stuff. And then he says in verse six, he just gets to the point right away. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. That word deserting there, it, sometimes we, we read that and we don't really feel the impact of that. The, the Greek word that's, that's translated deserting there is, is, means this. It means in the process of changing sides. He says, you haven't gone all the way to the dark side yet. But what you're doing is you're in the process of opening the door in your life and opening the doors of, of your, uh, of, in your life to this other type of, of, of religious system that the Judaizers are teaching. And let me tell you this morning, we're thinking, well, how can people change so much? Well, let me tell you, we are so often drawn to religion ourselves. Let me tell you why that we're drawn. Why are so many people drawn to religion? There's a couple of reasons that people are drawn. People who are Christians are drawn to religion. Number one is because it provides a system of measurement. It provides a system of measurement. I don't know about you, but uh, most people do like rules and regulations. Anybody here like rules and regulations? Nobody? First service, everybody liked them. You guys, okay, y'all the anti-rules and regulation crowd. Okay, well, you know, whatever, I know better than that. Most of you do like rules and regulations because it, it lets you know where the boundaries are. You know, you know, I like to know where. You know, it's a study, I shared this before, the study done years ago about kids and about boundaries, about how important it is to let your kids know where the boundaries are. For those who don't believe in boundaries, listen to this story. Um, because it's true. They found years ago that kids, that when they lived in a house, and they studied them about how they played in their yard. And the, and the study showed, this is a real study, I don't guess the government paid for this, I don't know who, who else would have. But the, the, the thing was is that they did this study and they looked at kids and they, I guess they videotaped them and watched them while they were playing. And they found that kids that played in yards that didn't have fences, they basically played, you know, they didn't know where the boundaries were, they didn't have fences, they basically didn't know where to go, so they kind of played within about a 20 foot radius of the back door of the house. That was their, Play area. But kids that lived in a, that lived in a house where they had a fence around the backyard, this is a strange illustration, I know, but it makes sense. Guess where they played? All over the whole yard. They knew exactly where the boundaries were. The boundaries, the rules made them feel comfortable. And so they play all the way to the fence. Now all that says is this, is that we're, we're, it, when we have a system of measurement, we can say, hey, you know, I, I, I like these rules, and I, and I can follow these rules. You know, the thing is, is that it, it gives us some sense of relief. It, 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 and number two, it provides us a, a false comfort. It provides a false comfort. That's why so many people are drawn to religion. Uh, we think because we know the rules, and we can follow the rules, and the rules, you know, I, I know how to do this, and I know how to do that, and, and so I'm all right. It makes us feel better. But it provides a sense of false comfort because so often the rules are not what really are about the relationship that we're going to be talking about that really sets us free. It's kind of a false comfort. And let me tell you some re- some things that are false comforts, and that's why people are drawn to it. People sometimes say, well, my parents were religious, so guess what? I'm all right. I'm okay with God because my parents were that way. Well, there's no grandchildren. In God's kingdom. Okay? You've heard that one before? But there's no grandchildren. You accept Christ yourself. You don't do it for your kids. You accept Christ yourself. So there's no grandchildren. But some people it provides them this false comfort when my parents grew up. And, or, or maybe I was baptized as a baby, so I'm okay with God. Or maybe I was confirmed, so I'm okay with God. Or I go to church on a regular basis, so I'm okay with God. 
We have this kind of false comfort because of rules and, and rules keeping. Or I'm a CEO Christian, so I'm okay with God. You're going, I'm a CEO Christian. What does that mean? Christmas and Easter only. Okay? You know, because I do that, I'm okay with God. Right? Yeah, I mean, I go twice a year. I'm okay with God. But so often what happens is, is we're drawn to that. It provides this false sense of comfort. And many people who are Christians are drawn to this kind of religious rule-keeping thing because it gives them some boundaries. Now, the problem with religion, though, and I want to say this, is that, that Paul points this out. The problem with this whole idea of that, that our relationship with God is about religion and rules-keeping is it brings confusion. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. Paul says, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever, how many of you grew up in like one church system? I mean, like you grew up in a denomination or one church and you always experienced that pretty much all your life. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Guess what? We're all perverted. In a bad way. In a good way, too. No, I mean, it's all right to grow up in a church, but let me tell you, we think that that church culture, I grew up in a Baptist church. Guess what's the best way to do church? According to Bill. Not really. I mean, not you thinking it, because I grew up Baptist, I'd be, you know, no, no. But the issue was, I remember when I was in college, I got so confused. Not because of the professors, because I decided to do something. I'd been in one church all of my life, and I'd done one thing. And so I knew how, when to sit down, when to get up, when to move, when to do all the things, because I'd been in that church all my life. And if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you, when I went to college, I decided we had to go, you know, I had to go find another church, so I decided to try them all and see which one I liked. And so I went to the Methodist. I didn't talk about that. I wasn't like Harry Krishna or stuff like that. No, I didn't do that. But I saw about I went to Methodist and I went to Lutheran. I went to Presbyterians. I went to, you know, I just went through the whole, whole deal. And I want to tell you, I didn't feel comfortable in any of them because they didn't do it the way I knew to do it. And so it, it caused me to have confusion because there was all these things. Every group has their own little cultural things going on. I don't care who they are. I mean, I went to, I went to this church, Presbyterian, you know, church, and it was, it was real, real, and the Lutherans, and they were really, you know, like really quiet, and real, you know, real quiet, and really a lot of worshipful stuff, just quiet, and, and, you know, and focused, and, and everything, but they still had some little things they did that I didn't know what was going on. They recited some creeds, I didn't have a clue, because we didn't recite creeds in the Baptist church. You know, and then I went to the charismatic church or the Pentecostal church, man, and, and people were like, you know, they were jumping up and down and doing all kinds of stuff, and I, man, I didn't really feel comfortable with that. And, and then, I, you know, I went to, you know, I went to I remember going to the Methodist church, and we always took communion in our church, you know, in the Baptist church, you know, everybody passed it out kind of like we do here, and, and people took it in the Methodist church, man, we got there, my wife, we weren't, she wasn't my wife then, uh, we were in school, I think this was right, Vicki, I'm not thinking I'm telling a bad story, uh, I was trying to remember this, but, uh, or a, not a bad story, an untruthful story. But uh, we were sitting in the back, and which I always do when I go to visit these churches because I didn't want to be stand out because I didn't know all the rituals, you know. And so what happened was we were sitting there, and they decided they were going to take communion. And so what they do, the ushers get up, and they start releasing row by row by row by row by row. And we're getting further and further and further and further back. And we're going like, do we take it or do we not take it? Are we in or are we out? You know, I didn't know. I still don't remember what we did. But, uh, but I knew I was very uncomfortable, you know. And so the thing is, sometimes, you know, religion, all the stuff that goes around, it's the trappings, it's the rituals we go through, uh, cause confusion. I want to tell you that one of the goals since I've been here at Great Oaks is to eliminate the barriers that confuse people. 
We try to keep it as simple as possible, not use churchy words, not terms. I mean, this, this room here, it's a, people keep wanting to call it the auto, I mean, what do you, what do some people call it in a, in a regular church? You call it the sanctuary. You know, that's where birds stay, you know. Um, no, this is the big room. You know, a person comes outside and they're not in a church, they don't know what a sanctuary is. It's the big room. If you want to know where to go to worship, the big room. Where the kids are in the kids' area. You know, we kind of keep it kind of simple because it's just a building. It's where the church meets. And so I'm trying to, one of the goals has been to eliminate barriers that confuse people. But so many, so many churches have so many traditions and cause us to do all kinds of things. And I want to give you a warning this morning. This is the warning label on the message this morning. You know, on warning labels are important. Pay attention. The warning is this. Never get focused on the external styles of expressions in a church. If that's all your focus is, you're going to miss the point. The point of what churches should be focused on and we should be focused on is the eternal truth that is being proclaimed in a church. We get so bent out of shape sometimes about worship styles and about, you know, we do it on purpose but try to make people outside the community who are unchurched to show up here and, and it's not kind of weird, you know, at least we normally sing songs that people, you know, not songs they would sing but at least in a style that they would understand. But that's not as important as what the words that the songs say and what the words that we proclaim. What needs to be, you know, you could have everything perfect that would fit your style perfectly, but if God's truth is not proclaimed in that church, then it's not what God wants you to do. And so we need to understand that, that, that Paul's saying to us, you know, hey, don't worry about the external. See, the Ju- Judaizers that Paul was dealing with, what it is is they brought additives to religion. They said it was Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is just all right with me. Just like the Doobie Brothers said back in the 70s. Shows where I came from, my music. You know, those of you who are old enough to remember that. Some of you don't. They're like, who? Doobie who? Look it up. Um, but, the, you know, the thing is, is that the, the Judaizers said Jesus is, uh, is all right, but it's plus circumcision or p- Jesus plus good works. And then so often we go to churches and what happens is we, th- we focus on the externals. You know, it's Jesus plus uh, speaking in tongues or Jesus plus you better not speak in tongues or Jesus uh, and, and certain ritual things you say and certain things you do. And that's what we focus upon. That's what it means. But, but Paul said, hey, it's not about, it's not about all those additives. Paul says, no, not Jesus plus anything. He says nothing. It, Jesus, it is Jesus plus nothing. Because God completed His work through Jesus Christ. And He went on to say in the next verse, He even says it more forcefully here about you don't add anything to Jesus. He says this, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, what does it say that we should do to each other, do to him? Let, them, let him be eternally condemned. That's strong words, Paul, right? It's not like just just telling me he's wrong. He said, let him be eternally condemned. That word is the word anathema. It means the consecrated to complete destruction, to be utterly destroyed. He's saying if anybody adds to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is that Jesus is sufficient in and of himself, that that person needs to be not just pushed aside, but to destroy. Man, Paul was strong here. We need to understand how important that is, that, that Paul says, you know, that you don't add anything to the gospel. Because when you do, it causes confusion. So number one, religion brings confusion. Number two, the other problem with religion is it focuses on man's works. 
It focuses on what's, what's visible, on what is external. Remember, if you go back and read when Jesus taught the, probably the most famous sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount in, in, in the Gospels, and you see that, you remember what some of the things that Jesus talked about in there? He talked about, you know, it's not just about adultery, but about thinking what's in your heart. It's not just about this. It's, it's what's in your heart. He's talking about the internal things in your life. And, and so what Paul is saying here, it says in Galatians 1.10, he says, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. He's saying, he's saying you know, hey, guys, and we're talking about this more next week. One of the things that binds us so often is we become people pleasers. Even as Christians, we become people pleasers. Because we want everybody to think well of us. And it's all about the externals. I mean, all of you, all of you are concerned with externals. You are. How many of you this morning got up and said, this is what you said to yourself, self, this morning I'm going to church. And so I'm going to find my grubbiest clothes possible. And I'm going to mess up my hair so I can go to church. How many of you said that? No one of you said that. I mean, some of you spent hours in front of the mirror this morning. I mean, you fixed everything up. You look good. Some of you work better than others. <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. Got your attention. No. The thing is, the thing is, is that, see, we care about externals, don't we? I'm sorry, we all do. But Paul was saying, hey, you know, don't, it's not, I'm not trying to win the approval of men. You know, who am I trying to please? See, the problem is, and, and with something that binds us so often, is that some people's Christianity translates into religion. Like, did you hear that prayer I prayed? Wow, wasn't that awesome? You know, I'm in five Bible studies. Aren't I spiritual? Or, or, or you, know how, you know how much I gave to the church this year? You know, it's all about the externals. And Paul said, hey, man, I'm not trying to, you know, being approved by men. I'm not trying to please them. See, I want to con- let me give you a quick contrast of religion and Christianity. It's the difference. And I'll st- hopefully, if you don't already understand it, you'll understand it better here. Let me give you three contrasts. Number one is this. Religion is spelled D-O, do. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Christi- religion is spelled do. I gotta do certain things in my life to be pleased, to please God, or to try to earn favor with God, or, or to be my- made, so people will think I'm really a good person. Where Christianity is spelled done, Christ upon the cross paid for everything I need to have be paid for. God has done it all. A second contrast is this. Religion is man's attempt to reach God, while Christianity is God's attempt to reach man. When I was a kid, the first verse I learned in, in Sunday school was John 3.16. Some of you know it off the top of your head. As soon as I mention it, you're going to like, yeah, for God so loved the world. See, it was God that initiated the the, the uh, connection with you. See, we're always thinking that, well, if I can do this, I can do this, God, I'll please God. But the problem is that you, we can never be good enough. And we keep feel this bondage because we always feel like we're just like one step short of measuring up. And guess what? You're right. Because you can't. But Christianity, the good news of Christianity is it's God's attempt to reach men. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
He did it for us. He reaches down to us. He's done for us what we can't do for ourselves. And then a third contrast is this. Religion focuses on the external. Christianity focuses on the internal, the heart. Now, I have to stop here because some people will take this in the wrong way and run in the wrong direction with this. So I have to do a disclaimer here. But I have to do a correction in thinking here in a real sense. This is where we get hung up, hung up a lot of time with this whole thing of freedom in Christ. When I say that, when I say religious focus on the external, Christianity focus on the internal, does that mean that we can do anything we want? Now think about that carefully a minute before you answer. The Bible shows us that if we step away from God and live any way we please, away from His principles, we will live a life of pain and destruction. The Bible shows that clearly. See, God still calls us to a faithful and obedient lifestyle. But here is the difference. Maybe this is the, the thought of the day that we need to you know, zero in on more than anything else. We live a faithful and obedient lifestyle to God, not, not, not to try to gain His love. We live a faithful and obedient lifestyle in response to His love. And that is a huge difference. See, it changes everything. I obey the commands of God not to try to gain His approval, but as a response to what He has already done. See, I want to be faithful to God not because I have to, but because I get to. Because of all that He has done for me, what else can I do? When I realize that He has paid the price, He's done everything for me. He gave His life for me. What else can I do but respond in love to Him? See, when you grasp that concept, that freedom, that your faithful living is not an attempt to please Him, but is a response to His love, that will truly set you free. It really will. And you will never be religious again. You will live in the freedom of the grace and truth of God's love through Jesus Christ. Paul went on to say this in in the next couple of verses, 11 and 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. And I did not receive it from any man, nor was it taught or was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And you're going like, okay, I kind of get some of the stuff, but why did Paul throw that in here in the middle of this thing about freedom? Well, let me tell you why. Two reasons. And this is important for the rest of the series, okay? This is a key thing for the rest of the series. Because we're going to go through the whole book of Galatians. This week's chapter 1, next week chapter 2, okay? Going through the series, okay? Paul said this for two reasons, these two, these two things here. He did it for two reasons. Number one, the Judaizers said that Paul wasn't a real apostle. Remember I told you earlier, he was different. All the other apostles had authority because they had followed Jesus. They'd walked with him. They had talked with him. They had seen him. And they were kind of like they, they had an inroads into Jesus' teaching. Paul was different. He didn't do that. But Paul also had a direct revelation, a direct encounter with Jesus where Jesus called him out to be an apostle. And so his teaching in here is not just man, just, just something that man made up. It was not just on Paul's authority. But Paul had authority because it was from Christ. He really was an apostle. And so he says, he says, it's not something I made up, so I want you to know the rest of the stuff I'm going to say has authority. Number two, 
He says it's not man-made. And, and he says this, and it kind of leads us to understand something that's kind of implied here, is that Christianity is something that could not be conceived by men. You know why I know that to be true? Have you ever studied other world religions? If you will study other world religions, I will guarantee you will find this to be true because I've studied them. Everyone except for Christianity is based upon us trying to do something to, 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 to earn favor with whatever deity it is that that religion worships. It's all about us doing something. You know why that appeals to us? Once again, we talked about it earlier. It gives us some kind of measurement, some kind of way of feeling like I'm all right. Because it's hard for us to just to trust. And, and Paul's saying, hey, this is not... I mean, who in the world? I mean, I, I've told people before, you know, uh, you know, I'm saying, you know, that God has done it all for you and, and, and you just need to accept that. You know what my, the response is normally? I've heard people say this dozens of times. That sounds too good to be true. And it does. But then later on, I, you know how you always think of a response about three days after you, if somebody says something to you? And you're going, why didn't I think of that then? My response now to that is that, well, it's yeah, it sounds too good not to be true. Because, you know, men couldn't make that up. That's not our nature, to think that God's done it for us, because we always feel like we have to do something to be right with God. Then Paul says, and we're almost in the conclusion of the day, Paul says this in verse 13. He says in verse 13 and verses 15 and 16, he says something that's so important. And I just want you to zero in on this today. Mark these verses, verses 13 and 15 and 16 in your Bibles. Go back and read them. I encourage you this week to read chapter 1 again. If you want to get ahead, read chapter 2 for next week in Galatians. But he says this in verse 13. He says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So he first tells them, hey guys, I own up to the fact that this was the way I was. I was not a good guy. I was a guy who persecuted the church. I mean, I hated Christians. Okay, yeah, that's who I was. I own up to that fact that's who I was. But then in verse 15, he says these key, the first three words, the three key words. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He said, I used to be this way. I used to be this way. You know, I was, I was nasty. Nobody would have liked me back then. None of you would have liked me back then because I was like, I would have persecuted you if you went to church. I would have done that. And I would have thought nothing of it. But, but when God came into my life, Paul says, it changed everything. I was spiritually blind, but when God came into my life, what happened was is He changed me. I was spiritually dead, but when God came into my life, He changed who I was. I was spiritually alive for the first time in my life. I want to say this today in conclusion. You may be facing something hard in your life today, and I want to give you three words from God's Word that will help you in regard, irregardless of where you are. But when God. I mean, some of you may be here today and your marriage is on the rocks. You're going like, man, I came to church today hoping that there will be some miracle because I've done everything that I can do to make it work. And I want to give you encouragement because... But when God touches your marriage and you allow Him to work at it, it can change and it can be, be like it never has been before. 
I mean, there'll be some of you here today because you're, and you're going to be taking financial peace uh, over the next few weeks. And you're going like, you know, financially, man, we are dead. We are so deep in debt. We're so much stuff going on in our life, you know, that I don't know how it's going to work out. But when God touches your life and you experience his love and you learn to live by his principles, guess what? It can change everything. I mean, Chelsea, do you think that uh, Chris and Chelsea were like uh, going on the right path there? I'm so glad, but when God happened in their life. And it changed them. And it made a difference in who they are and what they did. You may be here alone, hurting, confused. Uh, You're not even sure you want to go on. But when God touches your life and shows you His grace, I want to guarantee you that everything can change. Paul concludes that first chapter by saying this about this. And this is what, how it changed Paul. He said, yeah, I used to be this way. But when God worked in my life, he said this. The only, the, only heard, the only heard this report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And guess what they did? They praised God because of it. See, God didn't come to make us religious. Jesus didn't come to make us religious. He came to set us free. And over the next several weeks, we're going to unwrap that and unpack that in so many ways and so many facets of our life that your head will swim. But I'm telling you, it's going to be swimming in a good way if you allow God to work through whatever it is your next step needs to be with God. God wants to change us. He wants to change everything like he did with Paul. And it doesn't. Some for some of us, it'll be a long process because we're stubborn as can be. And for others of us, we'll be like Paul and like, I mean, have this experience where God will just do it just miraculously quickly. I want to encourage you this morning as we close to ask yourself a couple of questions. The first one is this. Have I been trying to add something to Jesus Christ, been trying to win God's approval by my actions? And have I been frustrated with that? Because you will be. Because you can't do enough to earn his favor. Because you're going to mess up somewhere along the way just like I mess up all all the time. Would you like to be free? Experience the freedom that Christ could only give you. Financial freedom, spiritual freedom, relational freedom, all the freedoms that, that we need in our life to live. It only comes but when God works in our life in a real way. Following the prayer... We're going to sing a song in a moment. And for many of us, it's going to be a celebration. It's called about, you know, when God's marvelous light comes into our life and, and we can celebrate the freedom we know in Christ. But for some of us today, we can't sing that song because it's not indicative of where we are. And so maybe what you need to do is after the service, you need to, instead of singing a song, maybe you need to go over to the prayer room this morning. There'll be somebody over there to, to talk with you and to, and to pray with you this morning about some area of your life where you need to just give it over to God. And you don't have to know all the words. You, don't, you just have to have a need. Because God knows what's in your heart, what's in your mind. And he's willing and able to do whatever it takes to get you where you need to go. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.